So how are you guys doing? Isn't it great that tonight, at least, the time falls back? I love this day. This is, this is one of the best days of the year where, where it falls back. And then I hate the spring. I love the spring, but I hate that it goes forward, spring forward. It, shouldn't, it should always fall back. We should always get an extra hour to sleep every night. Yes. I guess that means go to bed earlier. I don't like that plan. Sing with me. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Father, we pray that the Spirit of the Lord is here. I ask that, that you empower us, enable us to reveal your character to a world that's looking. Father, may we pass this on continually to the next generations that God truly is love. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So, after 11 different Sabbaths, we are here. Actually, it was 10. This is the 11th. The 11th of the series of Moses. It's time to, to let go of Moses. I know, it's sort of sad, but it's taken 11 weeks to get here. And the reason we're here, honestly, is Moses is dying. You know, you get stories like Jonah where, where it sort of ends abruptly and you have no clue to what happened to Jonah. But with Moses, it's coming to the end. He knows it. The nation knows it. God knows this. And Joshua knows it. So here we are, where he needs to pass on his torch, pass on his baton, pass it to the next one. How many of you have ever played the telephone game? The telephone game where you talk and you say, you say a word and you play it. Could you imagine if we played it right now with as many people that are in here, if I said the word, uh, let's say, sanctuary, and we go all the way, I tell Joe and it goes through, I wonder what word we would end up with over here. That's sort of fun to play, the, the, the tele. The telephone game. Now, we have played, there's a game, there's a new game out, and it's called Telestrations, and I'm not going to point out anybody, but there's a really cool game. If you ever want to play this game at game night, it's called Telestrations, and it's based off of the telephone game and like Pictionary. So what you do is you get a word, and say that word is sunglasses, for example. I am not going to show photos to reassure somebody here. But say it was sunglasses. Now what you do is you write that word down on one page, you turn it over, and then you have to draw it in 30 seconds. Now, the next person around gets to see that photo, and then they turn and write down what they think they saw. And then the next person, you know, they read that word that, that, was, that was written by that person, and then they draw it, 
and then write it, and it goes around the circle. Write it, draw, write, draw, write, draw. And you try to see if, you, if the last drawing, or no, the last word matches with the first word. Does that make sense to everybody? Uh, it ends up really funny. The thing is, is sometimes things get lost as you pass them on. And there is a fear in this. Now, that's just a game, and we like to laugh. And, but there is a fear of passing things on to the next generation. Will they carry the torch the way I carried it? Will they be able to do as well as I have? And sometimes I wonder if our egos get caught up in that. You know, in ministry, how will they live without me? You know? Well, guess what? They've been doing it for hundreds of years before you, and they'll live on without you. It doesn't mean that you haven't helped mold that process, but that's how we think. You know, when... When I first went to Arlington, the church I was before here, Kevin Wells had just taken over as the senior pastor. Now, if you know somewhat some Adventist names, he had just taken over for Mike Tucker. Now, this man was a well-loved man at that church who had been there for 17 years. They loved him. He, was almost, he, had, he had grown his, his church ministry from, there was about, when he started 17 years before, there were between 250 and 300 people attending Arlington. When he left, it was over 2,000 in membership. They knew Mike Tucker. So the next one to take his place, can you imagine? Can you imagine trying to being the one that is going to replace Dwight Nelson? Yeah, I'm the next one. Oh, those are pretty big shoes to fill. Bigger, you're the one who's going to replace Moses, who brought you out of slavery and has been your leader for the last 40 years, and you are the one to take over. There was pressure on both sides, Moses and Joshua. I want to show you just a couple of contemporary things that had happened, uh, contemporary stories. The first one, can you, can you tell me who the guy with the hat is, not the helmet? Who is the guy with the hat? Brett Favre. Brett Favre. All right, we got a Wisconsin person right here. Now, Brett Favre was well-loved in Wisconsin. Yeah, he was. Until... Until he went to Minnesota. <laughs> so he was, he, I don't know if he still is, but the, has the most touchdowns in quarterback history. He also has the most interceptions, which is strange. He's just thrown so many. So there was wonder, when he leaves, will somebody be able to take his place? But as you see, the back of that jersey says Rodgers. Who was his successor, Aaron Rodgers. Now, Brett Favre was considered really, really good. But Aaron Rodgers, they're putting his name as one of the greatest ever. And so, to pass that on, you know, I wonder what, the, what Wisconsin, what they thought, well, I mean, what Green Bay thought, what are, you know, what's going to happen when we lose our quarterback? 
You know, what happens when Tom Brady leaves New England? You know, you worry about those things when you're a sports fan. It's not real life, but, you know, it is to them. How about another one, but not sports-related? Who is that guy? I guess who was. Who is this guy? Tim Cook. Tim. Tim Cook. And as you know, if you've ever read the story of Steve Jobs, he was not only Apple, he micromanaged Apple. He was... It was part of his DNA, and, a- and Apple's DNA was in his, They were intertwined. So can you imagine when he found out that he was going to pass, I'm sure there was fear all over. Him, because this was his identity, and Apple, because he was their identity. Now we get to Moses. Because for the last 40 years, his identity has been the leader of Israel. And their identity is wrapped up with him. So go to Numbers 27. Numbers 27, the verse that we read, starting with verse 15, it's it's up here. And I think I underlined that because it's the first question that will be answered. And it says this, Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them. One who will lead them out and bring them in. And this is why. So the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. Isn't that the fear? When I leave, I just don't want them to fall to pieces. And Moses is there. We have felt that way with certain of our, of our leaders. And it goes all the way from general conference down to your pastoral leaders to maybe even elders. When that person leaves, when they die or move, what are we going to do? And I'm sure everybody's feeling this way, and even Moses feels that pressure. But here, because of the length of his life, he realizes, I have limitations. I cannot always be the leader of Israel. And actually, for Israel to make it to the next part, I need to die. Actually, do you realize that it is good at times for that leader to pass on, for real growth to happen. If they rely on that leader too much, then they cannot grow. Now, he's worried, because if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this. Go to the next slide. If he does not pass on this torch, he thinks Korah 2.0 will happen. Do you remember what happened with Korah? Korah was ambitious. He wanted leadership. I want a little bit more in here. We believe the same thing happened with Lucifer. I want more. I can lead. I'm very qualified. I think I should be next in line. 
I should be there right now. So maybe Moses is thinking, Lord, I need you to be a part of this. Because there might be other ambitious people that want this role. If I die and we do not assign somebody, another Korah will rise his head. Let's continue. Verse 18 says this. So the Lord said to Moses, Joshua, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man who is, whom is the spirit, wait, in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him. Have him stand before Eleazar, the priest, and the entire assembly, and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority, so the whole Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eleazar, the priest, who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of, of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out, and at his command, they will come in. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and had him stand before Eleazar, the priest, and the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord instructed through Moses. Now, the word commission, as you see, if you go back to the, the first set of slides there of, of the text, in verse 18, I have underlined the word commissioned. Is that, yeah, commission. Now that word is siva, it's si, it's, I don't know how to write it. Siva, can you say siva? Close enough. And it means to give orders or give charge. It's sort of a military term. If, you, if you're giving orders to somebody, this is what you will do. He was commissioned. He says, I want you to commission him. So give him his orders. But then the next slide, he says, but give some of your, what's the word? Authority. Now this word, I, I actually tried to read it in Hebrew. I, I really don't understand why they get some, because I, I couldn't really find that in the Hebrew. But it says, give him some of your authority. And the word is hod. Can you say hod? Hod. Now the word hod means weight or power. Give him some of your, your, your weight. Um, and, you know, I, I know that some of us wish that we could give our weight away. But um, I think it, it means give him some of his push. Give him something that will, where he has weight with the people. It is like passing your business onto somebody else. Will they listen to him? Give it to him. And so he says he did it. He, he laid hands on him, and he commissioned him as the Lord had instructed through Moses. Now, ironically, who was Joshua to Moses? Who was he? Does anybody know? Was he just some random guy that God had chosen? No. Who was he to Moses up to this point? His assistant. His aide, he was the commander of, the, he's the one who led the fight, remember, with, with her and Aaron holding Moses' hands. But he was his assistant. Because if you go to that, that next slide, um, well, it will probably be two slides. Real discipleship. 
comes from relationship. Do you understand that? Let me say it. Good and real discipleship comes from relationship. I think that at times we try to disciple people hands off. And so, uh, you know, I'm guilty of this. I think many of us can, are at times guilty of this, maybe in parenting, maybe in church work. We just sort of assume that discipleship will happen, that the next generation will take care of it. You know what I love here at this church, and I'm going to call out one even though they're not here right now, is Brittany and Josh. Come on, who loves Brittany and Josh? Right, yeah. What they've got going on in the back is real discipleship. They have a plan, and they have invested time and heart into what's happening there. That is real discipleship. Now, they could say, well, I just assume, because we're in this tech-savvy world, that the next generation's going to take over, right? Is that a good assumption? No. So what they're doing is they're taking people, like the ones we have back there, they're taking some of these young people, because Daniel's very young, Marley's so young, and they're saying, we want to disciple, disciple you in this, because guess what? We might not always be here. And we say, God forbid that they leave, but that is a possibility. So they need to pass that mantle, that baton, that torch. But it happens through relationship. So as we get closer to Moses' death, we, go, we move on to Deuteronomy because he knows I am, di- he knows I am dying very, very soon. So Deuteronomy chapter 31, if you want to turn there, you're welcome. Deuteronomy chapter 31, which is the next book up at the very, very close to the end. Verse 1 says this, because I did not put it up there. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all of Israel. I am now 120 years old and am no longer able to lead you. Do you understand how hard those words probably were for Moses? I don't know if, we've, if anybody in here has led somebody for 40 years. You know, it might, I, I wonder, because I still have small kids, but I wonder how a mother feels how a father feels when they say, it's time. You know, and, and you know, when, when mother sees at our wedding, and they love Anna, they love her to death, but at our wedding, my mom cried so loud. I mean, it was, I wanted to laugh. You know, we're standing up there facing each other, and I am holding back, because she is bawling her eyes out, because Apparently, maybe I am the favorite now. We know that's not true. We know who the favorite is in our home. But the thing is, is I wonder how it is where mom says, it's time. I'm no longer, I will always be your mom, but I am not your guide anymore. You will walk hand in hand with somebody else. 
I'm hoping Jesus comes before we have to say that to our kids. <laughs> Actually, maybe we're ready now. <laughs> but he's saying, I'm 120. I'm dying. I'm done. Verse 2. Oh, wait, verse 3. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, In the presence of all of Israel, be strong and courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give to them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. He has a charge for them and to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And he gives reasoning for this, because the Lord is going before you, He will take care of it. I don't know if you know what that means, but sometimes we fear, and specifically says, Don't fear, don't be afraid, because I will never. The Lord will never leave you. Never will you be forsaken. You know, a few weeks ago, if you remember, we had one of the high, I don't know how, to, how I want to say this. We had a very endearing pastor come back and speak. That somebody who spent a lot of his time, energy, and heart at this church I'm talking about Pastor Bacchus. And I do wonder if people, when he was finishing up his ministry here, were afraid. Who's the next guy? What are we going to do? And so we are afraid. And I think God understands that. But guess what? Pastor Bacchus isn't your God. I hope not. He isn't your Savior. I'm not. No pastor that has pastored this church is the Savior of Downers Grove. Amen, right? Because you guys would be lost. So Moses says, I know I'm leaving and I've been your leader for 40 years. But guess what? I was never the leader. God is your leader. And he's going. He will be there. You're here. You want to be here. He'll be there when you get there. 
He's preparing the land. Do you notice that Jesus uses similar language to this in John chapter 14? He says, do not be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled. Because I am going ahead of you. Have you seen it? That's this. Be strong. Be of courage. Don't be afraid because I'm going ahead of you. And you will come where I am soon enough. But I'm going to go prepare a place. This is what Moses is saying. Except for it's not him to go prepare the place. God will prepare the place. Now the words that it uses, and you will not remember this, and I didn't put it up, for strong and courageous is chazach. Can you say chazak? Good, that's pretty good. In Ametz. Ametz. Like the team, the Mets, but Ametz. And what they mean is not just be strong physically, it means be firm, be fortified, be resolute, be courageous, be assured. That's what it means to be strong and courageous. And what he's saying is, if you go to the next one, is that me passing on this torch, there shouldn't be fear. Even though Joshua is a fallen human being. If you were honest... How many of you are afraid of what we are leaving the church to the next generation? How many of you are afraid, are afraid of what the next generation will be here at Downers Grove Seventh-day Adventist Church? No? I don't want to. Yeah. Well, you work with kids. You know. Oh, I know what's coming out. All right. Guess what? Your parents probably felt the same way. Oh, we're leaving our church with them? And they listened to that rock and roll stuff? Somebody probably saw Joe dancing like Elvis and said, we're going to leave the church to him? Think about this. And we think the same thing. But people like Moses are saying, no, 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 wait. This is the Lord's plan. Now, if you let him go ahead of you, they will thrive. But some of us want to hold on, and sometimes hold on a little too long, probably. So we get to Moses' passing, and a couple of pages later in Joshua 1, we see that he truly was a disciple of, of Moses. Starting with verse 1 of chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all the people get ready to cross, cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, 
as I have promised. I do wonder, did you hear that? He says, every place you put your foot, I'm going to give to you. What kind of limitations do we place upon ourselves? When God says, go a little bit further, I'll give it to you. Reach those people, I'll give that to you. But we're like, no, 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 we can't. We don't have the budget for that. Or, or, or we don't have the resources for that. And God says, well, you get what you put in. But guess what? I was willing to give you all of that. Verse 4. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the, on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you. How many? How much will be able to stand? No one. All the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he didn't just hear from Moses now. He heard it from the Lord's lips. Be strong and courageous. Did we just not read that a couple of chapters ago? Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the, all the, law, the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Just I want to remind you one more time. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. How powerful is that? Now I'm going to add a twist to this. From something that I read in this book, which I really do love, and you probably just need a little, sort of a surface uh, knowledge of Hebrew, but it's called Devotions on the Hebrew Bible. Actually, one of the people that wrote, because they have certain devotions by different people, is Roy Gain, who actually is a teacher at our seminary. But if you ever want, there's some interesting stuff in here. And one of the devotions that it gives is on this call right here. And I know it might not make too much sense to you, but I'm just going to read a little part of this, okay? And it says, consider the driving idea launched in the speeches from Moab, subordinate to the command, be strong and very courageous, is a pair of infinitive constructs. Now, I know you probably don't really understand that, but what it's saying is with infinitive constructs, it is a continuous action. It's not a one-time thing. He's not saying, be strong, be courageous one time. But it's continuous to keep on doing, to cautiously keep. Now, here's what's crazy to me. These modify the command and give it specific direction. The weight of the entire verbal chain, therefore, bears down on the single object. Hatorah. So I don't know if you caught that, but what it's saying is to be strong and courageous is not a complete statement. And actually, I think we have, they think we have translated this wrong. It should say this, 
verse 6. Uh, no, no, it was up in verse, verse 7. Be, continue being strong and courageous. Two, be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do you understand that? He's not just saying, don't, he's not just saying, be strong and courageous to conquer whatever. No, he says, be strong and courageous in keeping the law. They are not two separate statements. They are the same. One statement. Because guess what? It's easy to be strong and courageous if you feel, okay, God's before me. I'm going to go and conquer a land. That's easy. But he says, be strong and courageous in continuing to live for me. Now, if you've lived long enough, you know that that is a lot harder. Don't turn from the right or the left. Stay on the path. That is to truly be strong and courageous. That is what Moses taught me, Joshua says. So my question as we all get older and we all head towards our eternal destinies, is what are you passing on? Because maybe the future generations, there are going to be challenges. But maybe that's because of us not passing on what is right. From Moses to Joshua, he passed on law. He passed on trust in God. And every time, be strong, be courageous, be strong, courageous. Are you, tr- are you passing on Jesus to the next generation? That is my question to you. Are you passing on a love for Scripture? Because I believe that's transformative. If kids love the Word, they will be transformed. We will be transformed. You know it happens in the opposite way. If you grew up Seventh-day Adventist and if you're at a certain age, you know that my parents' generation uh, or my parents' parents' generation relied heavily on the lifestyles that they thought, they, I believe, misinterpreted from a lady called Ellen White. And so they pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed so that people of either my parents' generation or my generation said, I no longer want what you're trying to pass on to me. And hence, I will no longer pass it on down the next generation. They've done this. Now, me personally, when I read her writings, I am blessed. I believe that she has a powerful message for the 21st century. Gospel. But what are you passing on? Are you passing on? Do you talk more about your love for Scripture? Or do you talk more about what's happening on Fox News or MSNBC? Depending on which leaning you have. Is that what you're passing on? Are you passing on you believe you want your kids to be successful and ambitious? Well, guess what? Cora was a successful and ambitious guy who got swallowed up by the earth. 
are you trying to pass on the need for new toys? Are you passing on your baggage, my baggage? And by the way, every one of us in here will pass something on. Not just to our own kids, but to the people around us, to the next generations. I hope and pray that what we pass on is a love for God, a love for his word, a love for his church. And we know this church has some marks. We're working with humans, all right? I mean, I always felt, and I know there's other pastors, that church work would be so much easier if you didn't have to deal with people. You know? Same with teaching, right? But teaching's usually it's so much easier if you didn't have to deal with parents. But the thing is, is we do deal with people. And we're all fallen. Pass on the love for God. Pass on the love for his word. Pass on the love of his church. And as you will see, if you do that, if we do that collectively, that torch will make it from beginning to end and we will see lives transformed.